We've been in a series since last uh, fall, studying through the Sermon on the Mount. And as we've been going through, we've discovered so many things. And we're finally near to the end as Jesus is wrapping up this sermon. We know that he probably taught this material in a number of different places on a number of different occasions. But we have the strength of what he, uh, he taught uh, in these passages of Scripture. We've been looking the last few weeks at five keys to kingdom come. Uh, Jesus said to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, so we've been looking at kingdom prayer, kingdom focus, kingdom authenticity is what we're looking at today. And then kingdom surrender next week and then kingdom resilience. The big question for us in this, in this wrapping up of this central message of Christ is how do we find the right path to life? You know, a lot of times people say, I want to find the right path in life. Well, that's important. But we want to find the right path to life. Because he's been explaining there are two ways. And one leads to destruction and the other leads to life. How many of you want life? Okay, the rest of you. How many of you want life? Yeah, okay. That's what we're all about. And so he said, we, we ask and seek and knock. We keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And then we find that there's a narrow gate. And so we enter by the narrow gate onto a road, onto a path that is not easy. It's, it's a more difficult path. There's another way to go. It's a wide gate. It's an easy gate. It's an easy road. There's a lot of people on it. But just because there's a lot of people on it doesn't mean it's the way we should go. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we now are on the road and we're going to ask, who do we listen to on the way? Because there's a lot of voices. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of voices in our culture, a lot of voices in our media, but there's a lot of voices in our faith. There's a lot of different preachers and teachers and books and things to see and listen to. How do we figure out which one is right? That's what Jesus is focusing on for us today. So we're looking at Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 15. And Jesus continues on from where he was teaching. And he says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? (laughs) So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down. And thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Now let's stand and honor God's voice among us. Father God, I thank you so much for a word. Thank you so much that you you bring us truth. You, You speak to us with truth. And we ask that we might hear exactly what we need today. Every one of us. What we need today in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. 
So Jesus starts talking about a wolf and a fruit tree. And my mother was an English teacher. And she might, might have said something about this. When is a mixed metaphor okay? <laughs> Some of you get that. <laughs> and the answer is when Jesus says it. <laughs> I mean, if Jesus says it, it's okay. It's not actually a mixed metaphor. If it was, it would say something like, the false prophet is like a wolf that bears bad fruit. That's not what it says. It's in fact a truth so important that Jesus used two different powerful metaphors to get it across to us. I'm glad for that, aren't you? Because, because sometimes I need it. I'm a little bit dense and I just need to hear it really clearly. And he comes from two different directions. And so the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount is all about choices. We started looking at that last week. There are two ways to go. What road will I take? What gate will I go through, the narrow gate or the wide gate? And now he's talking about two different trees or, or two different voices. Who will I listen to? Next weekend, we're going to talk about two claims. Am I going to give lip service or lordship? Big difference. And then we're going to look at two builders, the one that builds on rock and the one that builds on sand. That's the next couple of weeks, just so you'll know. Don't miss it. So Jesus uses the word beware. Uh, for the second time in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and you're probably wondering, Pastor Jeff, what is the Greek for that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, the Greek word is uh, prosecco. Prosecco, say that with me. Prosecco. And, and it, it means to pay attention, to hold your mind toward, to be cautious, to take heed, don't miss. That, that's what it means. And so it's almost as important to say what it does not mean. It does not mean go out looking for false prophets. It doesn't mean that. It says, have your eyes open, take heed. It does, does not mean to go out and pursue or hunt down or prosecute false prophets. Now, why is that important? I don't know if you've noticed, but there are some who build their whole ministry around looking for false prophets, trying to find somebody that, I think there's something wrong with that one. I think there's something wrong with that one. What kind of ministry is that? This is not a warrant to become the heresy hunters, okay? But it is a call to discernment in who we listen to. Really important. Watch out for false teaching. Keep your eyes and ears open. Don't get lax. It's interesting because Jesus used this word beware uh, only seven different times, about seven different spiritual perils. Some of them were perils from within us. Some of them were, were uh, perils that will threaten us from the outside. He says beware of hypocrisy in our own lives. Beware of greed in our own lives, in, in, in us. Uh, beware of pride in our own hearts. So, so he's, he's saying, watch out for a lot of these things that come from within. Beware of unforgiveness in our relationships. But also beware of persecutors, those who are false authorities from the outside who, who will come against us. And also beware of seeking signs. He called that the yeast of Herod. Do you remember when I mentioned a few weeks ago, Jesus uh, was called in before Herod during his trial. And, and Herod said, do some tricks for me. <laughs> I've been hearing about you. Do some magic stuff. I've heard that you can do. And Jesus was silent. We want to be aware of, of going after signs and wonders and, and, and things that are looking miraculous and flashy. 
But finally, he's going to talk about these false prophets. These aren't in order, but false prophets is a really important one that is there, out there. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Those who come among you who who are claiming to be of God, but are not of God. And so we, we begin to realize that kingdom authenticity is about discerning the voices that we listen to. We, we find the right road, but who are we going to listen to along the way? First John chapter 4 says, Beloved, do not believe in every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so it's an important thing for us to be watching, to be looking for. So what are these false prophets? And we have to answer, first of all, what are prophets? A prophet is someone who is inspired to speak for God. They don't replace scripture, although some of them became scripture. They, they, were, they were recorded as scripture. Inspired is that thing that Pastor uh, Ann was talking about, the breath of God upon them to inspire So they bring an inspired proclamation. Some were foretellers. They talked about things in the future. But most of them were foretellers. They were preachers. They made declaration of truth. And a lot of historical prophecy was recorded and codified in the scripture. Old Testament prophets foretold the plan of God. Old Testament prophets foretold the coming of Jesus, the coming of Messiah. And we see all these prophetic Uh, statements that are fulfilled in the coming of Jesus. But the prophets also declare God's rebuke and judgment for idolatry and injustice and called people to repentance. So they they were what we would think of as preachers and teachers. The Old Testament actually warned against false prophets and dreamers. It's in in the book of Deuteronomy. And it's such an amazing statement that we find there. Deuteronomy 13 says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder. Dreamer of dreams, sometimes people would come and say, I had a dream about you. And, and I'm going to tell that to you. That should tell you what God wants you to know about the future. And if they give you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, then... Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you. God God is allowing this to refine you, okay? To know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. So one of the things that we discover right here is you will not know the truth of a prophet by whether they do signs and wonders and miracles. That's not the thing that we look to. We look to whether they are calling you to the truth. If a prophet denies the fundamental truths about God, they are a false prophet. All through the law we hear, there is one God. Uh, Love the Lord, one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the call of of the law, the call of the scripture. And if a prophet speaks something that is clearly not scriptural, that word is a false teaching. 
And if a prophet says, let's go after other gods, let's go in some other direction, and and, and let's serve those other ones, that's absolutely false. That's a, a call away from where you're supposed to be. So the question that often comes up is, how do you spot a counterfeit? And you may have heard this teaching before, you know, because it's such a good comparison. How do you spot counterfeit currency? Nowadays, we have these reactive markers, and they use them all the time. If you're in retail or anything like that, you've probably used one. You put a mark on it, and and if it darkens, then you know that it's, uh, it's a false, it's a counterfeit bill. Also, UV lights can be used. But experts meticulously study the authentic currency and and they're because of that they're readily able to see the counterfeit i I read uh an, an account of this in about an hour an expert could take you through the different things to look for and they include touching and tilting and looking and looking through and it, they could train you very quickly you would learn how to recognize and identify almost all counterfeit currency and, and the reason for that teaching, that comparison, is we don't need to study all the fa- false possibilities. You know, it used to be kind of popular to study cults. Let's study the cults and let's, you know, kind of learn the details of what they believe. Let's, let's study all the counterfeits that are out there. You don't need to do that. All you need to do is study the truth. Study the authentic word of God. And, and in that way, we can beware, we can heed the false prophet. Here's the truth. If you want to prepare to spot counterfeit spiritual leaders, study the authentic perfection of Jesus, his life, teaching, and words. Study the authentic word of God. I I like that statement because I wrote it, okay? (laughs) But you're listening to me, and I hope that you know what I'm bringing you is scriptural and it's true. Why don't we read that out loud together? If you want to prepare to spot counterfeit spiritual leaders, study the authentic perfection of Jesus, his life, teachings, and words. Study the authentic word of God. So Jesus is giving us himself, and he's giving us a way to identify, to look out and see uh, if something is false. In the time of Jesus, there had been no recorded prophets in about 400 years John the baptizer and Jesus were the new prophets. All of a sudden, there were two, two prophets, and they were asking them a lot of questions about who they were and what was going on. And, and so Jesus wasn't warning about prophets in that time going around so much as he was warning about the perils that would come in the early church. Jesus knew that in the early church and all through history and even to this day, we're going to need to beware of false prophets. And so in verse 15, he says that, beware of false prophets. Let's read this out loud together. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. What do we know about wolves? We know that they are among the most dangerous of predators. An interesting thing about them is they don't, they don't hunt for sport. Okay, they don't hunt just to kill something for fun. All right. But they do uh, concern themselves with killing for themselves, to feed themselves. They come to eat the sheep. That's why they are there, to eat the sheep. Now, how would a wolf get into sheep's clothing? Well, of course, a wolf can't purchase a sheep costume at Amazon. But some of the old fables that that follow this kind of uh, thinking and stories 
would say a wolf found a, a sheep that was dead and, and, and then took the, the skin and put it on. Well, they can't do that either. But interestingly, I, I learned this, wolves commonly will roll in the droppings of sheep to disguise their scent. As they approach the flock, they won't be noticed because they've scented themselves like the sheep. Isn't that amazing? In case you wondered why your dog, when you go out for a walk, suddenly starts rolling on the ground, that's what it's all about. It's wolf instinct in, in, their, in their blood. But Jesus was not talking about shepherding. We know that. He was talking about preachers and teachers. He was talking about people like me. He was talking about the people that we listen to on the radio and television or that we hear or read their books or or look at their seminars and things like that. Those who are claiming to speak in the name of the Lord, claiming to have studied and, and, and bring to you the word of God. And Jesus warns us. He says, some are predators. He's not talking about people that have just uh, fallen into an error of interpretation. Because we all fall into error of interpretation. I don't know anybody that is perfect. I study and study to try to get it right and I get it wrong. And, and, and sometimes people come and they talk to me about it. And we, we wrestle over it a little bit. And I, I kind of adjust the way that I view something. But Jesus is talking about those who come in disguise with a teaching that sounds good, it may sound better than good, and it may have the right scent, okay, but it is false. And we often won't know just by looking. You know, he's not talking, he's talking about uh, something that looks just like the rest of the sheep because the disguise is so good. They, they're going to look right, sound right, appear in every way to be the real thing. And on the road that is narrow, we need to know the difference. There are going to be many voices. And Jesus says, some are going to lead you astray. Matthew 24, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead you astray. That Greek word is is very interesting. It means to cause to roam. Some will, will cause you to roam away from me. To be deceived, to be seduced, to wander, to be off the road or in a ditch. That's what that word means. And they're very believable because some will perform signs and wonders. In Matthew 24, again, false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, even those that I'm calling to myself. They will deny the truth of the gospel. And that's really fundamental. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. I don't know if you know this, but there are a number of historic mainline denominations that deny that that Jesus was the Christ, was the Messiah, was virgin born, was miraculously present as God on earth. They deny that. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. And they will be a source of divisions and obstacles. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Watch out. 
beware. Well, how will we know? And, and it, Jesus is saying, not by their appearance, not by their Christian scent, not by signs and wonders, not by their great presentation, their moving worship or appealing personality. That's not how you will know them. He says you will know them by their fruits. That's where he changes. We got to look at this from a different direction. You will recognize them by their fruits. In every other way, it's all going to look good. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Everybody knew that that's not the case. Fruits can't be faked. Fruit reveals the root. If it's a diseased tree, it, it can't bear good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. And eventually, the diseased fruit is evident. We can see it. We taste it. We can smell it. So Jesus then pronounces judgment on these false prophets. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Well, what are these fruits? What what is Jesus talking about here? I want to suggest to you there are three types of of fruits. It's plural. And, And the first is what they say, okay, is it the truth? Does it bear with Scripture? Secondly, what they do. Do I see the character of Christ? Because all the words can be right, but the character of Christ isn't there. What they produce. Is there evidence of new life? See, one of the difficult things is that we live in an age of appearances and, and, and impressions. I mean, so much. I mean, huge, huge amounts of our time and our money are spent on appearance and impressions. And that was just kind of a funny picture that I could find that, that looked like it as an example. Images easily manufactured and contrived. And, and with mass media and mega gatherings, everything can look so good. Deception is very, very easy. And I would suggest to you that when churches and ministries began focusing more on branding and marketing than on careful presentation of God's word, a door was opened for the wolf to come in. And that's what we want to be careful of. It's so easy in our current culture for a worldly predator to put on sheep's clothing and come in and influence and speak among us. And when we allow ourselves to be drawn more by personality and charisma or music style than a clear call to repentance and kingdom living, we are in peril. And we want to be careful of that. Some of the questions that I ask uh, of myself and and we can ask of ourselves. Am I more interested in style or substance? Because, you know, there's such importance in what the substance is. How carefully the substance is brought to us. And we get all caught up in style. Am I more drawn to novel ideas, something new? uh, Or solid testimony of truth? Am I seeking a supernatural experience or a supernatural savior? The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. If ever we lived in that day, it seems we live in that day now. 
So I want to give you three, what I'm going to call fruity questions. Say, that's a little fruity, Pastor Jeff. (laughs) Fruity questions to ask yourself to help in discernment, okay? The first question is, am I hearing sound doctrine? You got to know what sound doctrine is before you can evaluate that, but it's very, very important. Second Peter 2 says, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. That's a really important phrase. Remember that. Let's say it together. Destructive heresies. Even denying the master who bought them. We see that more and more these days. Bringing upon themselves swift destruction. We want to be aware of these destructive heresies. I love the, uh, the story of the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. You might remember that. Uh, it says, now these, these Jews were more noble than those over in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And so I, I think that's a call to each and every one of us to test everything, check everything, soak in the word. Don't believe it just because I said it. Look at your Bible, study the word of God. I love it when people come to me and ask me questions. I love it when people come to me and say, Pastor Jeff, I think you may have gotten this wrong. I, humbly, I just want to suggest that you said this incorrectly. And, and they're almost always right. Please. We need to check everything. Am I hearing the message of Christ crucified? It's so important. Rejecting the one who bought them is what it says in Peter. It's so important. Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's central. 1 Corinthians says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. There's a thing that develops, sometimes it's called social gospel, where we're just going to turn Jesus into a nice guy that shows us how to live in a nice way and do nice things for people. That's not the gospel. That does not save you. It denies the saving grace of Jesus. Am I hearing heresy? Heresy is an interesting word because in the dictionary, it's it's defined as uh, a religious opinion that's contrary to church doctrine, or a dissent or deviation from a dominant theory. The word doesn't even appear in the Gospels. So those who get all excited about heresy and studying heresy and pointing out heresy, Jesus never talked about it. It appears in the New Testament uh, only a few times. So, So you were probably wondering, what is the Greek? Okay, some of you. Okay, all right. And the Greek word is high, pronounced hyresis or hyresis, okay? And, and it means simply a choice. Isn't that interesting? It, it means a choice, a, a, a different choice. A heresy is fundamentally a different view. It can be a disunion or a sect in the way that it's defined. And so in, in 1 Corinthians 11... It, it uses this word. It says, for there must be factions, there must be high races among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. It's how we arrive at the truth. Different opinions. So, so when we point out something and say, well, that's heresy, that may just be a different opinion. 
That's why I said that we need to remember about destructive heresy. You see, we discern correct doctrine by considering differences of opinion. There's a lot of things. I mean, I could point out a lot of different examples. Is everything predestined or is everything free choice? There are different opinions on that that are rooted in Scripture. And to point at one and say that's heresy, now that's a different opinion, okay? But it's not a destructive heresy. So what is a destructive heresy? A destructive opinion. It's a view that denies the redeeming work of the master. Second Peter 2. It's a view that denies grace and becomes an obstacle to salvation. If I tell you, you need to work harder to be saved. That's heresy. That's a destructive heresy. That is an obstacle to the grace of Jesus. That is an obstacle to salvation in that person's life. If it's a, a view that denies or twists a fundamental truth of the Bible, that is a destructive heresy. And we need to watch out for that. The second fruity question is, do I see the character of Jesus? And it's so important that we, we keep our eye out for this. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but starts with the, the acts of the sinful nature. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So if these are floating around, we need to watch out. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. Now listen, enmity, strife, causing strife, jealousy toward others, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not enter the kingdom of God. Those are signs that this message is not true, that this kind of fruit doesn't fit with the truth and, and the image of Christ Jesus. And some ministries can have the right message. Everything can look really, really good. But, but their business model is predatory. Uh, the, the way that they act is envy and rivalry, promoting division. We need to watch out for these things. The fruit of the Spirit is what, is what reveals the true nature of the teacher, the preacher, the prophet. Uh, in the in the next part of that passage. But the fruit of the Spirit is, why don't you read it out loud with me? Let's say it, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So sometimes, I mean, the message may not be articulate. It, it may stumble around a bit, but is it expressed with those qualities? Love, joy, do I sense peace and patience and humility and self-control? And I've found that the best message that you hear, if it's expressed in a mean spirit, doesn't ring true with the character of Christ. You know, I noticed that when pandemic hit, so, so many churches didn't know how to do things. They were just flailing. There were many churches that didn't know how to do live stream. And your church helped a number of churches. Pastor Paul worked with churches, spent hours and hours helping them get up online. Why would we not do that? Uh, other churches would say, well, it's too bad for you, you know. Well, just more for us. 
And so we, we want to have that kind of spirit, that kind of, of loving spirit. You know, a number of times we've had youth ministries around that have asked, uh, how, how do you do youth that it is so, so successful? And uh, Pastor Anna spent hours, not, not to try to get those kids into our youth ministry, but to say, let's show you how to do youth ministry, teach you. So the fruit of the spirit is that spirit of Christ. And that's what reveals the deep working of God in the life of the teacher, the preacher, or the prophet. Now, here's the truth. No one is perfected. He's still working on all of us. If you follow me around, I promise you, you will find me at a certain point where you'll wonder, where's the love, Pastor Jeff? (laughs) Or where's the joy? And where's the peace? Where's the patience? And so I, I, I walk with God more closely, I pray, every day. No one is perfected in this, but these qualities are the ones that attest to the presence and the spirit of Christ in our lives and that say this message is something that you can trust. The third is, do I see life? Titus 3 says, he saved us, not, by, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And listen, by the washing of regeneration, that, mean, that means being born again, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Is there evidence of healthy regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit in, in the ministry that you are seeing, in, in the message that is being given to you, in the voice that is calling to you? Are there people who are born again and being discipled through the teaching of God's word? I I rejoice so much when I hear about people who are born again, people who are coming to Christ, people whose uh, their lives are are changed and their marriages are being healed. And so a a test uh, of, uh, of the message of the ministry, it's not worldly success. It's not numbers or wealth or property, but it is a It is to see life. Is this a life ministry? The bottom line, I always have to realize God is God. I am not. Why don't you say that with me? God is God. I am not. And one of the things I learned some time ago uh, is that God allows factions, allows differences of opinion to help us discern the genuine. There's some things that I'm not going to know until I get to heaven. But I've seen churches and ministries that they had a statement of faith with 98 points on it. And if you didn't agree with every single point, then you couldn't be in the club. That's not, I believe, the gospel. We, we, have, we have a statement of faith for our members that has eight points. And so they're, they are the core truths of the scripture and the Christian faith. I also know that God can use flawed messengers. I am one. And I I praise God that he can use flawed messengers. Sometimes we get off track. That's not what Jesus was talking about. And it's not my job to police Christian culture or go heretic hunting. My job is to focus on the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. And then I will know what to listen to. You know, I love the, the statement that Paul wrote to the Philippian church early in in that letter. He said, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy, out of rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Just both. 
The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. He doesn't say that they are heretics, but he says they are doing things for the wrong motivation. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. That's the most important thing. And because of this, I rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Every once in a while, somebody will come to me and they'll point to a famous person, a famous preacher, and say, well, look what happened to them. I guess that all their followers must be going to hell or something like that. No. Because whether they were preaching in in true motive or false motive, Christ was preached. I know people that came to Jesus under some of those situations, and they followed Jesus. See, it's not about the preacher. It's about the truth of Christ. So let's pray. It may be that you are at a place in your life where you've never even begun this journey. You've, you've not yet walked through the narrow gate. You've not yet come onto the difficult path of surrendering and following Jesus, and you should do that today. And it is as simple as saying, Lord, I need you. I, I am a sinner, and I need you. I need salvation that you have offered by grace. And I, I want to receive that by faith. And I want that new life. I want to be born again by your Spirit. Save me and make me new. And if you pray a prayer, something like that. He is faithful, so faithful to bring life. God, I thank you so much that on this journey, you give us ways to discern. Help us to hear clearly and and, and to see the truth where, where it is and the way, and the life. Help us to focus on on your word and to grow in your word so that we will know the counterfeit when it comes along. In Jesus' name, amen.